Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22 this morning. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Have you ever felt as if you were unworthy for God to work in your life? Since this church family began, I cannot tell you how many people I have met who have given me the impression when I talk to them about God that they wanted God to work in their lives, but they just could not believe that God could work in a person like them, whatever they meant by that. They just couldn't believe that God could work in a life like theirs. How tragic, how sad that is, that God would be, in fact, willing to work in anyone's life who's willing to allow Him to, but for whatever reason, that a person could come to a point in their life to believe that, that no, I don't believe He could do that in a life like mine. Well, if you can relate to those people's struggle, if you've been far away from God in your life, and there's no denying it. You know it, God knows it, and maybe even a lot of other people know it. If you're the kind of person that would say, you know, I can't go to church because if I did, the the walls might collapse around me. If that's you, I'm glad you're here today because today's message is going to be helpful for you. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22 in our study of Ephesians called Knowing What You Have and Using It. And you see, we've been learning many of the blessings that God has provided for us when we put our trust and our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, so far, our focus in this study has been on the blessings that He's given us as individuals. We might say that Ephesians 1 and the beginning of Ephesians 2, the focus is on new life. That's the emphasis on the new life that Christ has given to us as individual persons. But there's a change that starts to happen in Ephesians right here where we are. And many people, many Bible students, recognize that change as significant. In fact, one Bible student says, the idea that we're about to begin learning here provides a foundation for the rest of what is going to be taught in Ephesians. You see, before this point, God has been revealing to us that new life that He has given us in Christ. But here He begins showing us that we are a part of a new society. We have been given a new community. If you want to say it this way, we've been given a new home, a new group to be a part of, a family to join. We're going to begin learning that God takes people from all kinds of different backgrounds. In fact, the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9, puts it like this, from every tribe and from every tongue and from every people and from every nation. God calls people. That's what the word church means. It's the called out ones. God is issuing a call to the world and He says, listen, I want you to be a part of my family. I want to call you into my fold. I want you to be my child. And He makes that offer to every man, woman, boy and girl in this whole wide world. No matter what their socioeconomic status is, no matter what their age group is, no matter what our backgrounds and experiences are, God issues a call to bring them together and to unify them together through His Son, Jesus Christ, and to work through them together to accomplish great things in this world. And by the way, it might include some people that most people would think shouldn't be there. Or maybe you wouldn't have exactly picked as your model citizen of the year. Or maybe in high school they wouldn't have been marked by everybody as most likely to succeed with God. It might include somebody like you and like me. Amen? Today in Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 22, I want us to look at God's Word and talk about making up and moving forward. 
I believe that the lessons that we're going to learn today will help us understand more about God's work in this world in general, in our own lives, and they'll also help us with maybe some conflicts that we have with other people around us. Now let's look first of all in verses 11 through 18. We're talking about making up and moving forward in the conflicts that we may have in our lives in this world. And number one, the Bible teaches us that God offers peace in our conflicts. God offers peace in our conflict. See, Paul reminds us, as we're going to look at these verses in verses 11 through 18, Paul reminds us that these Gentile believers, people who did not grow up in Sunday school, people who had not memorized Scripture as a child in Awana, people who had not sought God's direction as they were starting out their lives, people who did not marry a Christian, people who probably didn't know where the book of Malachi is, and if they did read it, they'd probably call it Malachi. People like that. Some of you are laughing because that's what you call it. Isn't it? <laughs> so you can relate to these people. These are just people who, who didn't grow up in church, who didn't grow up around God. And as he's telling them about their spiritual blessings, he reminds them, and actually, it's interesting here, he actually commands them. He says, therefore, remember. He's not just reminding them, that's a command. He says, I want you to call to remembrance that though they had had a major conflict, God had given them a great spiritual blessing. Though they weren't a part of what we might say is the privileged few who had grown up with God, God was nevertheless offering them just the same some amazing things. God was offering to them reconciliation. Don't we long for that? For things to be right? in our relationship with God and others. God was offering them peace. Don't we long for that? A settledness, a rightness about our lives in their relationship with God and again their relationship with others. And ultimately, God was offering people who who maybe you wouldn't have expected that God would reach out to. God was offering them complete access to Him. Let's read verses 11 through 12. It says, Therefore... Remember, he's, he's telling them, I want you to call to remembrance that formerly, hey, isn't it good sometimes to remember where you came from? Isn't it good sometimes to look back and see how far we've come? He says, therefore, remember that formerly, at one point, you the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. The Bible says that that there was a time that these people, before they came to Christ, they had a major problem. And he he kind of uh, talks about that problem in regards that they were recognized as being uncircumcised. Now, what does that mean? That means that they just did not have the mark of being one of God's people. The Old Testament mark, indicator of being one of God's people. Now, Paul, you need to be clear here, Paul alludes to the fact that just having the mark didn't even make the Jewish people really part of God's family. But that's beside the point right now. He's not talking to the Jewish people. But not having the mark was a clear indicator that a person was, in verse 12, apart from Christ and his will for their lives, 
was an indicator that that person was outside of God's people, the nation of Israel, that was an indicator that they really probably had no knowledge of God at all. They didn't understand His promises, His Word, that the things of God were really very foreign to them. And you see that kind of throughout this passage. It was just not a part of their life. It was all foreign to them. It didn't make sense to them. They didn't know about it. And as a result of that, can you imagine a life without God? Yes, many of us can, can't we? Because there have been points in our lives when we didn't have a personal relationship with God, when we were trying to live life on our own. And so hopefully you today can call to remembrance what your life used to be like. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet put your trust in Christ, and so that's very fresh in your mind. But he says as a result of that, they had no hope and were living in this world without God in their lives. So there was a very real sense in which things were not right between them and God. And I can hear them reading these words of Paul and as new believers saying, yeah, that pretty much much sums it up. There was a time in my life when I was nowhere near God. Can anybody here say that? There was no way. I I was so far away from God, you would have never recognized Him by my life. We were nowhere near God and we knew it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like an outsider? Have you ever felt lost? As I said earlier, have you ever felt like you were the person that maybe drove by a church building and saw a sign and, and you were, you were kind of interested in what that church was doing or what it was about, but, but you thought to yourself, you know what? Man, if I walk in that place, the walls are likely to fall down. The, the roof is probably going to fall in because they've never seen the likes of me walk in that building. If you've been involved in church your whole life, if you've you've been exposed to God, if you've been exposed to Christ since birth, if your family was at church every time the doors were open, it might be harder for you to relate to that feeling. But many of the people who have come to our church family know very well what it's like to be clearly far away from God and to know it. But you know, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, I think all of us to some degree can relate to having no peace with God. Can we not? I mean, I was fairly well exposed to church in my life. We weren't regular church attenders in my family, but, but I knew about Christ and I knew about uh, the church and different things like that. But I remember the distinct feeling when I was 12 years old. I remember clearly sensing that I did not have peace with God. I remember sensing that something, and I didn't know what, I didn't know enough about God or about His Word to, to put it all into words the right kind of way, but I knew that things were not right between God and me. Amen? You ever sense that? Is that your conflict this morning? Are you needing peace with God? Are you needing to make up with God, to make things right with God? And He gives us the way to do that in verse 13. He says, but now... These were Christians he was talking to. He says, now, remember we said all throughout Ephesians, there's an emphasis on being in Christ. He says, now, in Christ Jesus, because you've received Christ, because you're found in Him, you've you've been brought into His family. He's washed your sins away and made you His child. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly, or in my southern way of saying it, used to be, right? (laughs) You who used to be far off, have been brought near. And how has that happened? You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Because Jesus Christ died for you, because He he did die on that cross that was just sung about, and He rose again, and He offers us life. And because these people had received that life, those who once could be described as, man, they're so far away from God, you can't get any further than they are. Those people who had been far away could now be described as very close to Him, very near to Him. 
In verse 14, though, he talks about some other conflict that these Gentile people had had because of the distinction between them as Gentiles and the Jewish people. You see, the Jewish people were seen as closer to God, as, as more exposed to the things of God. And that was certainly true in the sense of that, that, that God had a special plan for them and was working amidst, amongst them in a special way. And so the Gentiles were seen as uh, typically farther away from God. And as a result of that, there had developed a, a big hostility between the two, especially on the part of the Jewish people towards the Gentiles. Now, I need to make it clear here, God's intention had never been that the nation of Israel would become proud of God's work in their life. God's intention was never that they would become condescending towards the other nations, that they would look down on the other nations. His intention, and don't miss this, His intention was to work so closely among the nation of Israel and the Jewish people that the rest of the world would see His personal intimate relationship with them and all the nations would say, that's the God that we want to serve. Do you see that? That was God's intention. It wasn't so that, that Israel uh, could, could be uh, distinct or special in the sense of the, and, and exclusive that nobody else could enjoy that. God wanted them to be attractive and for the rest of the world to see His work through them. And in our conflict with God and our conflict with other people, the Bible says, He Himself, do you see it there? But now in Christ Jesus you've been brought near, for He Himself is our peace. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that Jesus brings peace. The Bible says that Jesus Himself, He personifies peace. He is peace. And in verses 15 through 18, let's read that. It says, By abolishing, He he made both groups, the Jew and Gentile one, and broke down the barrier of the division, the dividing wall, by abolishing in His flesh the enmity, that hostility, which was in the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that himself, in himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death again the enmity, the hostility. And he came and preached, aren't you glad? He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Nobody had an advantage, did they? The Bible says that ultimately the offer was made to all. People who had been exposed to it their whole lives, he came and preached to them. The offer was made. People who had never heard about it ever before, he came and preached to them. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Through the cross, the Bible says, all of that conflict between those two groups was put to death. That God had in fact created the two into a new person. Now the word new in the New Testament, there's two Greek words for the word new. One means new as opposed to old. The other means new in composition, a totally new kind. When he created a new man or a new person, he created a new kind, a a new like unlike any other that was before. You kind of begin to see God's whole point all along. Though the Jewish people had been God's chosen people, and in some ways, in some special ways, I believe the Bible teaches they still are. He had not intended to exclude the Gentiles. All along, God's plan was to have full acceptance of both Jew and Gentile, of every person. Did you know the word Gentile can actually be be, uh, translated nations? 
the peoples of the world. And so you begin to get the picture, don't you? God had set apart the nation of Israel, but he also wanted to work among the Gentiles. Why don't you think about it this way? He wanted to work among the nations, all the peoples God gave his son for. And he was establishing a new covenant. In that new covenant, there would be no more distinction as it pertained to access to God. Galatians 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, I need to make clear here, there are some people today that take that verse and and want to say that there's no more distinction whatsoever amongst people. Well, I hate to tell you, but my wife is definitely a woman. And I hope I'm a man. We're different, amen? The distinction has changed in this way. In front of the cross, there is no distinction. We are one in Christ. We are equal in our access to God. Praise His name. It hasn't always been that way. But God had a plan all along that that's where it was going to go. Certainly, we can all relate to the power of this point. We know that we have some issues that we're dealing with in our relationship towards God, but we also know that we have some issues with other people as well, don't we? Just like the Jews and the Gentiles had struggles in their relationships, we have struggles in our relationships as well. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to understand the gravity of this because we live in the 21st century in America, and so we can't quite understand the depth of the conflict that was between uh, those two groups. But what if I put it this way, and I'm trying to give an extreme example that maybe something that we would relate to today. What if you found out that Osama bin Laden had been saved? <laughs> it almost sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> you say, yeah, right whatever. We can't even pretend to follow your example because that's never going to happen. But what if he was? And what if you found out that he was speaking at Promise Keepers next year? And for those of you who don't know what Promise Keepers is, it's, just a, it's a men's retreat, a, a, a nationwide men's conference. So what if Osama bin Laden is sharing his testimony about receiving Jesus Christ as his Savior next summer? That's weird, isn't it? Well, I certainly wasn't expecting it. And some people might even reject it. There's no way. There's no way that guy should ever be able to be called a Christian. The Jewish people sometimes had such disdain for the Gentiles that the prophet Jonah tried to do all that he could to avoid taking God's message to them. And when he did take the message, and they wonderfully and miraculously responded to God's message and were saved and rescued, Jonah was so mad... And so depressed. Now now listen, the people of Nineveh had done terrible things to God's people. They had done terrible things to many people. They had, they had, uh, they had mastered the art of torture, okay, when they conquered other people. And so Jonah would say, I just can't see how those people could ever receive God's forgiveness. So I have a question for you and for me. Is there anybody on this earth that you have zero compassion for? Do you have no mercy for? Is there anyone that you would say, now, I know I shouldn't, but and so I probably won't say it out loud, but is there anybody that in your heart you would really say, you hate that person? Or since we shouldn't say that, we have nice little Christian ways of 
euphemisms. I really can't stand them. Right? Isn't that what you'd say? I know. I do the same thing. Oh, I would never hate anybody, but I really can't stand them. God had given these Gentiles peace in their relationships. He had allowed them and the Jewish people to make up, to make things right, and He can do that for you, and He can do that for me as well. In fact, peace is emphasized all throughout these verses. The Greek idea of peace was really a negative idea. It was more of a lack of war. Peace just means there's no war. But the Jewish or the Hebrew idea was a much fuller idea. It was a more positive sense of a state of fullness, a state of rightness, of well-being, of wholeness. So peace was a very healthy thing. It was a strong thing. It was, it was things that had been wrong were now made right and full in the way they were supposed to be. That is what God says that He can give us in our relationship with Him. Amen? Aren't you glad for that? I used to be at odds with God. I used to have conflict with God. But can I tell you what? I lay my head down every night knowing that I have peace with God, knowing that things are right between He and I, not because I'm so good, but because He gave me His Son to be my Savior. Can I tell you something else? You can have that same peace in your relationship with other people. These verses are full of reconciliation. They're full of peace. They're, they're full of the, the word that he uses of that new creation is the word for created that God uses to talk about his creative activity. He talks about the death of hostility. So what God is telling us is our best opportunity to find peace in whatever conflict we have this morning is to have them recreated into something new by coming to Jesus Christ. Remember what we said? He is our peace. He himself is peace. And so I need to be with Jesus in order to have resolution in my life. As Paul continued to share with these Gentile believers about the amazing blessings that God has given them, he began to move towards the idea. Now, it's not overtly talking about the church yet. We're going to get to that in chapter 3, but he's moving towards the idea of the grouping of God's people. And he's saying to these people who specifically used to be outside of the group, you have now been made part of the group. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from or what you've done, you can have a right relationship with God and with other people, even those in the past you thought and you were taught that you were supposed to hate. Amen? It's a message of peace, of making up, but also, it's a message of moving forward. God can give us progress out of our conflicts. These people who had been so far away from God, who had had such a contentious relationship with certain people, they didn't just receive the cancellation of that hostility. And here I want you to see this. It wasn't just a mere pardon. It wasn't just a dismissal of conflict. It wasn't just a, well, we'll overlook this. It was a total transformation. God didn't just resolve the conflict. He totally turned it around and actually took the sides who were in conflict and made them partners. Actually, He made them family. Let's look at that in verses 19 through 22. It says, So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Oh, man, are you kidding me? I've been so far away from God. This is me having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, and in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Most of the time when we think of conflicts, we just think our highest goal should be to settle them, right? And what I, what I mean by that is our highest expectation is just that we can resolve them, that they can be brought to a, a satisfactory conclusion point. But what we're going to see in these verses is that God can, in fact, do even better than that. God can take bad relationships between us and Him or between us and one another, and He can not only resolve our conflicts, He can make those relationships better than ever before. He tells these Gentile believers, he says, So now, in light of this new creation that God has offered to you, in light of His reconciliation, the peace mission that He's given to you, in light of Jews and Gentiles both, which basically means all peoples having equal access to God, as opposed to sort of being bystanders, you see what he says there? He says strangers and aliens. You could also pronounce that or uh, 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 interpret that bystanders and outsiders. As opposed to being that, you are in the house. Know what he said? You're in God's household. Here's how he describes them. He says, you're fellow citizens with every other child of God. They are now of God's household. They have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now, I want you to hear how powerful that would have been to them. What he's saying to them, now listen, friend, if you've just recently, if you see yourself or you think maybe some other people see yourself as a Johnny-come-lately with God, I've just come around, wouldn't it be nice to know that you're not a Johnny-come-lately? Wouldn't it be nice to know that your heritage goes back just as far as anybody else who's been close all along? He says, they didn't just sneak in at the last second. They didn't just get second-rate membership. Hey, when you join our church, if you've been a member of a church similar to ours for 20 years or more, you get the prime package. But if you're kind of recent, you get in but not quite the same. You know what he says? Their getting in to God's family gave them connection. Now, don't you think about this. As a people, how many of us right now in our life would say, I have missed so much? How many people have told me, I wish I had given my life to God, to Christ, before I turned 37 years old? before I turned 45 years old, before I turned 58 years old, I wish I hadn't wasted all those years. It seems like so much has been lost. Wouldn't it be nice to know that God has just kind of tied you in with the whole heritage, that you go way back with God, that you, that you are connected with what God has done way before you arrived on the scene. And as God is moving ahead with His work in this world, and listen, there's a, there's a building imagery here. They are being, some of your builders, they're being framed up with the building. In verse 21, that's what He says. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, being framed up, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. What he's saying is, is that God is building a temple. The, you know, the temple was the thing they used to not have access to. Now they have access, oh, a little more than access, they are actually being built into the very fabric of God's temple. The one that they used to not have access to. Do you hear what God is telling them? Do you hear what God is telling you? If you've ever seen yourself as far away from God, 
How would it feel if someone told you, no, it's not just that we've let you in. You are critical. You are absolutely necessary. You're not the oddball. You're not the exception. You know, we kind of had in mind the kind of people we were looking for, uh, and, and we've got some of those, but we do make exceptions. Listen, I don't make this stuff up, friends. This is God's Word right here. God's message is for you. You're not the exception to the rule. Listen, actually, you're the rule. God's message is for people who need help. God's message is for people who need hope. That's why the people who were supposedly in the house all along were sometimes in the most dangerous position. You know what scares me for my kids? I thank God that they're growing up in church. I thank God that they're growing up in a Christian home. But I pray to God that they don't get so familiar with the things of God that they take them for granted and they never realize how much they desperately need God. Amen? So listen, if you've been outside, you might even be in better position than somebody else. You might appreciate and recognize God's work more than somebody who's been on the inside forever. Again, that's not to exclude the insider. Praise God, I want my kids' testimony. Amen? I want my kids' testimony to be as soon as possible in their life they come to know Jesus Christ and that they can say that when they, had, when they were old enough to make the decision, they realized they needed Christ, that from that point forward, they walked with Jesus all the days of their life. That is a great testimony. But you know what? Just as great is God rescuing you when you're 37, 47, 57, 97. It's just as great. Getting in is great. And what he's telling us here is, it's not just getting in, but you get all of it. You don't, just, you don't just slide in the door and get to watch everybody else ride the rides. You get full access to God. Isn't that incredible? And also don't miss the resolving of that interpersonal conflict. There's a lot of togetherness in this verse. In fact, there's a word that there's a there's a little phrase that's used in the Greek language that is that is actually repeated three times. And it's the phrase that that when it's added to a word, it means with. He says, So you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders, but you are fellow citizens. You're on the inside. You're part of God's people. Having been built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, in whom the whole building being fitted together. There's, there's connection there. There's working together. You're being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. They've not only made up, but they are partners. They have moved forward together. They're part of something special together. As you read those verses, do you sense what I sense? Even as I read, read them, if you watch my hands, I wanted to ball my fists up. You know why? Because as I read those scriptures, I sensed power. I sensed strength. I sense solidness. Do you hear a building going up? Do you hear? I used to work with a guy, and he could drive a nail like in two swings. You ever seen anybody like that? I mean, I'd sit here, and I'd gnaw on it, you know? And he'd say, Robbie, hold that thing on the bottom and drive it. I can hear Frank driving the nails in this building. I mean, he's, bing, bing. Can't you hear it being built? Can't you hear that air compressor? There's a building going up. And it is solid. That was a pretty good air compressor, wasn't it? <laughs> Practiced all week. God is building something in this world. Can I tell you something, friend? It is solid. It is solid. 
And as that building goes up, there are going to be some building materials. There are going to be some pieces that we did not expect. Some people that we never imagined could make peace with God. Some people that we never imagined that we could make peace with. And now more than that, they are partners with God and they are partners with us. And actually, as you step back and look at the building one day, I believe it will probably be most likely from heaven's perspective, but maybe God will give us that perspective in this life with His grace. But actually, as we step back and look at the building one day, even though at some point in our lives it didn't make a lot of sense, it will look just right. It will make a whole lot of sense why God put that peace where He put it. For so many people, this world seems like it's falling apart. But the Bible says in Christ Jesus, we can be a part of something great. Not just to have some kind of resolution, not just to kind of have some decent living in our life, but we can be incorporated into the very fabric of a strong work that God Almighty Himself is doing in this world. One that we at one time felt like we couldn't even drive in the parking lot of. Now we are built into the walls. Friend, today, if you are that person that feels like you've been excluded, that your sin has driven you away from God or some experience in your life or whatever it is, I tell people this all the time, but it's so hard for people to receive it. Would you not receive my words? I'm not a cheerleader for God, okay? I'm just telling you His Word. His Word says you have full membership, full access, full acceptance. And you're beginning to understand the truth of the gospel. <clears throat> you see, when we see people that we perceive as being pretty, pretty, pretty okay people, we think it makes sense for them to be with God. That's why we struggle with this idea, because I'm not as good as them. But did you know something? If you really ask them if they were honest, they're not good either. The only reason there's any good is to the extent they've responded to God. Listen. What you're beginning to understand is the core of the gospel. There is none that is righteous. There is none that's gotten it right. None of us have hit the nail on the head every time. Only God can build a building like that. And we need Him to do a work in our lives. The Bible says in Ephesians, that happens in Christ. If you are looking to resolve the conflict in your life, you need to look no further. You found the answer. The question is, will you receive that gift? God has given us a gift. The hope that we can have all of our hurts resolved is found only in His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know all your issues. I don't know all your problems. Sharing what I've shared today is in in no way to minimize the intense struggle that some of you may face right now or that you have faced. But this is God's Word, not mine. And He has promised that if you will trust Him, He can help you to make up with your conflicts and to move forward with something great in your life with Him. The question is, will we receive that gift? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, you know how hard it is to preach when I'm just like the rest. I have no reason to stand up here except to the extent that hopefully I've heard from God 
And I'm just a messenger delivering a message that you wanted us to hear. I pray that that's been the case this morning. And I thank you for your servant, Paul, who shared with these precious people who sensed in their heart at some point in their lives that they were so far away from God they couldn't get any further. But you and your grace and mercy brought your message to them and they were just daring enough to believe that God's word is true. There are many people here today who will attempt to talk themselves out of believing that you can work in their lives. But Jesus... I pray that you would just help them to trust that your word is true. There are some here today that, like me, when I was 12 years old, maybe for the first time have realized that they don't have peace in their relationship with you. Their sin has separated them from you. And that breaks your heart. And you want to reestablish a connection with them. And you're calling them to receive your gift. I pray that if there's anybody here today that needs to receive that gift, I pray that they would just call out to you and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I thank you that you offered to forgive me. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose again and won the victory over them. And I invite him to come into my heart to wash my sins away, to be my Savior. I want to stop living life my way and I want to start trusting you for your way. Lord, they're in Christ right now. They've reconciled with God and now they're ready to move forward amazingly and we rejoice with them. Lord, many of us today have reconciled our relationship with you. But God, the people of this world, the people of this church, the people of this community, the people in our family, sometimes... We have struggles, and we need you to help us, God. Help somebody to cry out for your help this morning and ask you to help them. They don't see a way, but God, would you make a way? Would you help them to trust you with that? We need your help, Lord, in these moments. We're going to sing a song that says, I will worship you. I will give my life to you. I will stand before you, honest and sincere, and and honestly wanting to seek you and to do your will. I pray that we mean those words as we sing them. And if we don't, that we will bow and talk to you about that, God, right now. In Jesus' name, amen.